sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. And welcome to a long-awaited episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Hey, I'm Nate Larkin here with my co-host, uh, partner in crime, Aaron Porter. And Aaron, it has been a struggle for you and me to find a way to actually get together and record an episode for the last three weeks. Life has gotten crazy. Life has gotten crazy. Yes. Yeah. It has been difficult. I affirm what you said to be true, and you are not a liar. <laughs> I mean... We have had wonderful conversations. So in the last three weeks, um, I've recorded a couple of interviews. You've recorded an interview. We just haven't been able to get together and uh, meet the guests uh, together and talk together and final out an episode. So let me see, man. Your employment uh, situation has changed a bit. Right, you've lost flexibility yes. in your in your work now. So I, I have, yes, lost flexibility in work. It's, it is strange. Uh, I have gone from just doing work when work was available, right, to needing to sit at my desk from the wee hours, yeah, of the afternoon, yeah, and uh, yeah, with my my kids' schedule, that has been very. It's it's like I've had to redo my entire schedule. And yeah. it has not been an easy tr- transition. I almost said transmission, obviously. <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's talk about that. We had grand plans last week to uh, meet here in Franklin and get together and record some podcast stuff. <laughs> and, and you get in the car and uh, put it in reverse. And what happened? Well, we made it out the driveway. And <laughs> then I... Put it in gear, and the backup yeah. uh, camera was still on. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is my voice is feeling early this morning. How about you? I haven't talked to anybody yet this morning. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Put it in drive. The backup camera still on. Start driving down the road. Doesn't shift out of first, and the car still says it's in reverse. Um, and I was like, "Well, this is clearly a transmission issue." Yeah. So uh, turned back around, drove back home called you and said we will not be driving to franklin today (laughs) so fortunately it was only a sensor so it was only five hundred dollars where i was expecting thousands of dollars so it's you got off you got off lucky that's great i know there are few times when unexpected bills of five hundred dollars feels like a mercy (laughs) so yeah yeah so i got off easy crazy new schedule it's the end of the year with two homeschool kids so i am writing those end-of-the-year reports for the homeschool. Both of them are going to two new schools, so I'm trying to enroll them in that, trying to yeah, find yeah, yeah. all those documents like birth certificates that I was sure were put in like really obvious places. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it has been insane. But I got a new oh, weed my. whacker, and that has been a joy. Hey, I got a new weed whacker, too. Look at that. We're like whacking uh. together. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, not not like that. Come on. Okay. So uh, let me see. You were out. You were out uh, whacking weeds this morning. I was, uh, and, uh, and I was as well. Really? Is what strange symmetry there is in it this is, universe of ours? It is like 
you know how women live in the village and they all end up in the same cycle, but yeah, for yeah, men, yeah. they're in yeah. a weed whacker cycle. It's okay. just, there are so many directions this can go that are, none of them are good, but I'm just going to say manly activities like weed whacking, not that women can't do it. Women feel free to express yeah. yourself through weed whacking. Jeez. Yeah. 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 Uh, hey, uh, uh, a few so, weeks so ago wait, now, I, I want to know now what kind of what kind of whacker did you get? Did you get a gas I've gone, one, I, electric? I've I've gone all electric, man. Yes, my lawnmower is electric, my trimmer is electric, my blower is electric. So I'm whacking and blowing all uh, all electric. Yeah, your property is a good size for that. This is so boring to the audience, I'm sure, but I loved. I always would get electric blowers and weed whackers because they're so much lighter, and I'd be on yeah, hills. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but then you um, moved to the Ponderosa. Yeah, right? on this property I couldn't do it, and and uh-huh. then I went in to get a new one because ours all died, and yeah. they have these giant batteried ones with huge uh-huh. batteries. And I asked yeah, him, yeah. like, seriously, can a a battery one for a weed whacker? He's like, oh, it's great. And so I'm like, all right, I'm bringing this back if it sucks, and I got it, and sure enough, it works great, and it's almost as light as well uh-huh. quite as light as an electric one but i yeah. don't have to deal with it running out of gas it's just it's great so i am very happy about that but it is electric it's just got a monster battery on it yes okay yes. all right i am sure that our audience at this point is just transfixed except just for that fascinated except for that one person that didn't know about awesome battery operated weed whackers i mean i'm sure okay. i'm the last person to find out but but that fella you're welcome it works great go go for it make the purchase all right well, what were you going to say that was relevant well, to interesting well i was going to say that a few weeks ago I, fi- I finally got on a plane and uh went out to colorado to conduct an interview with a good friend of the samson society uh gary wilkerson of world challenge uh, I got to tell you, I loved being back on the road, loved being back in the air. Uh, and just this morning, I see that mask mandates are being lifted in some of the uh, nation's largest retail chains. I almost feel like uh, it's morning again in America. Morning has broken. Uh, right. Yeah. No. Is that how it goes? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You should know that. You should know that. All right. Anyway, uh, it was a wonderful conversation with Gary Wilkerson uh, that I think our listeners are going to enjoy. What a sweet man. Uh, What an amazing ministry. Uh, I won't tease it anymore. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment on the Pirate Monk Podcast. And we are back on the Pirate Monk Podcast, and so privileged to have with us as our guest this week, none other than Gary 
Wilkerson. Welcome, Gary. Hey, Nate. It is uh, it's cool, man. I finally get, I listen to the Pirate Monk all the time, and now I get to actually <laughs> be on it. And my great uh, hope, and also maybe it's fear at the same time, is I hope that I don't disappoint, and I'm afraid that I might. But, but uh, I had some, had some great guests. Uh, I really, I really love this. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's really such a privilege, and I, I love to have this little bit of structure in my life where on a weekly basis, I'm pretty much guaranteed at least one interesting conversation. Very good. Yeah, Very right. Good. <laughs> okay. And truth be told, I have many more than that. I know you do, yeah. So, yeah. Gary, um, you are um, uh, an author, a speaker. You are the president of World Challenge, Challenge yeah. a ministry founded by your father, Ah, 50 years ago? It is. This year is our 50th anniversary. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I first met you, Allie and I met you, introduced by our mutual friends, Matt and Deanne Ward, Mm -hmm. I don't know, about three years ago, something like that. Yeah, that's right. When you were in Franklin. And uh, Allie and I just felt this instant kinship with you guys. Thank you. Uh, And I think we've been married at about the same length of time. You and I have some similarities in our life story. Uh, uh, you are the son and the grandson, and maybe even the great grandson mm-hmm. of Pentecostal preachers. Correct. Yeah. 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 So I'm. Th- my dad was a Pentecostal preacher, and his dad was okay. a Pentecostal preacher. Which, what part of the country was this? In? They were. They were in uh, northern New York. Okay. Yeah. 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 So mine was in Pennsylvania first. Yeah. Uh, before that, uh, Tennessee. Oh really? Yeah, so there was yeah there was and uh, yeah so it started off Methodist. It was not a the, the first one was not Pentecostal. It was Methodist. Yes. And then, and then uh, my great grandfather mm-hmm. kind of had a well, I guess what they call the Pentecostal experience. Right. Yeah. And he started speaking in tongues. So yeah. That is, right. Is, right. Is, right. Is, 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 that's what they called the evidence. Right. Right. And uh, so then his, his son became a um, denominational leader in the Assemblies of God in uh-huh. the Pennsylvania region. He right. Was, uh, they called it a district superintendent. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. my father went to New York City to work with gang members, which disappointed his father because his father was expecting him to sort of follow in his footsteps of, you know, kind of getting into the denomination, right. your way up the ladder through, you know, become a youth pastor, uh-huh. assistant uh-huh. pastor, a pastor, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. eventually into the denominational headquarters in Springfield was the goal. Yeah, you know, my great grandfather, or my grandfather, I guess, began as a licensed Methodist preacher. Oh, okay. And Pentecostalism really came out of the holiness movement, which yeah. came out of Methodism. That's right. Which came out of, really kind of began with that uh, insight that John Wesley had of a, of a second blessing. Yeah. yeah. Kind of picked up by Finney in the middle of the 19th century. Yeah. Uh, uh, the idea of, the, of Christian perfection. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So well, that could be a whole podcast. Oh, right there, right? it really could. Yeah. What that does. I mean, especially on the topics that you discuss in, in your podcast, it's it's pertinent to it. You know. If, yeah. If we're trying to live under that weight. You're, you know, oh, anyway. Yeah. Exactly. And you know, my my dad was by nature a gracious person, but he uh, he was he grew he grew up in and was nurtured in uh, a, a theological tradition, a Christian tradition that really did have this commitment to Christian perfection. Mm. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and regarded with suspicion, too much talk about grace. Yeah. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Spot on. Yeah. 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 Well, so you and I, uh, see, I was born in 56, you were born in 58. It was, no, t- you just, 
as we were getting started, you told me, was it the week you were born? Yeah, yeah, same week I was born. If, if anybody has read The Cross and Switchblade, or maybe a long time ago, there was a movie made of it, I think in the early 70s. Eric Estrada as Nicky Cruz, yeah, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. So if you know the story, uh, my father left a small church in Pennsylvania, went to New York City to work with gang members who had been in trouble with the law. Yeah, what and, motivated him to do it? Uh, he read a magazine article um, uh, in Life magazine about seven young gang members from, a, a, I think the gang was called the Egyptian Dragons or Drips and Wards or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they had just randomly saw a little boy, like 12 years old, you know, strolling down the street in a wheelchair, and they decided to beat him up with baseball bats and killed him. Wow. And, you know, the whole media at the time was like, you know, throw these guys away, put them in an electric chair. Yeah. And my dad sort of felt the mercy of God on, on them. And at the same time, he had been praying because he was – he was in this little Pentecostal church in Pennsylvania. It was like, he said it was the same thing every week. You know, they'd have the same songs and the same mm-hmm. sermon and the yeah. same lady would get up and say something <laughs> in an unknown language. And then uh, and he said, if this is Pentecost, I don't want it. Yeah. You know, because the Pentecost you read about in the book of Acts was power to change society and culture. Yeah. Uh, change lives deeply. Yeah. And so he was sort of praying that. And that's when God opened up the door for this event in his life. So, yeah, it was the same week that he was in New York City doing these youth rallies uh, that he wasn't in Pennsylvania where I was being yeah. at the time. So yeah, yeah. he wasn't there when I was born. Wow. Uh, some people ask like, Oh, does that, is that, you know, does, how do you feel about him not being there for you? He's like, well, I didn't know he wasn't there. And he's like, <laughs> I was glad, you know, every time yeah. Nikki Cruz lives in the same town where I live now and I see him pretty regularly. He's 82, I think. Amazing. And uh, I see him all the time, still going strong and evangelist. Yeah. And, but he almost, you know, like probably two, three times a year, he thanks me for, letting my dad be with oh, him wow. instead of being with me and my mom. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was, there's, there's some unique things about having, as you were talking about sharing the same background, our, our fathers and grandfathers and yeah. fathers being involved in ministry. There's some blessings in that and some challenges in that as well. I'm sure you, you probably faced them as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. certainly. Well, for one thing, I grew up kind of destined for the ministry. Yeah. Kind of, uh, there wasn't really any other option. And, and it was ministry pretty narrowly defined. Hmm. It was going to be pastoral ministry, okay. right? That was kind of the top of the ladder. And as I understood it, kind of, you could be a missionary as well. But, but that felt a little bit to me like the B team, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and then, you know, there were, there were, I suppose there were Christian doctors, but not very many of them. Yeah. At any rate, yeah. So I wanted to excel and, yeah. you know, so... I was destined for the ministry. It, it, I'm still in the ministry. I haven't been in the pastoral ministry oh, right. in years, but yeah. I'm probably far more effective today. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, definitely. You, you, you did uh, you did a podcast for us at World Challenge called the Gary Wilkson Podcast. Yeah, yeah. For us. And I don't know if I ever told you, it is it is by far the most viewed of all of our podcasts, probably almost double. Oh, really? Uh, the second most watched uh, ours our video podcast. So. Uh, yeah, if anybody wants to check out your interview on the Wilson <laughs> podcast, it was it was amazing, and uh, obviously it touched a lot of lives. So you know, your your ministry is, you know, if you were pastoring now, yeah, uh, your impact would be. I'm still still huge, but it would be It'd very be, different and be local. Know. And I'll tell you what, it is tougher for you know. Sometimes I feel bad for guys who are uh, you know in pastoral ministry, called to pastoral ministry, doing that work, and they. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes guys will say, I wish I could be as open about my struggles as you are, Nate. Mm. And the reality is 
that they probably can't. No. Right? No, they can't. Not not in, not and maintain yeah. an effective ministry where right. they are. Yeah. Right? Yes, uh, sexual issues, pornography, yeah, um, yeah. family difficulties, you know, like mm-hmm. so we had uh, we have four children and uh, at one point two of our boys were uh, on drugs. I mean, not like smoking pot, I mean like yeah, heroin. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, one, wow. One of them was homeless, living yeah. on the streets. Yeah. And so that's weird. Dave Wilkerson starts Teen Challenge Drug Rehab, <laughs> and I can't even keep my own kids you know, yeah. safe. Yeah. And so at one point, I asked our church when I was pastoring for prayer, hey, would you pray for our sons, Evan and Elliot? And, um, you know, probably half the church was like emails and coming up afterwards, like, can we pray for you now? And just yeah, took yeah. Kelly and I's hand and just tears in our eyes and hugs and yeah. we're with you, pastor. And then also I got this, like, I guess not can't really call it nothing, but like uh, accusational, mm-hmm. um, very pharisaical um you shouldn't be in ministry. We're leaving the church. Yeah. We didn't know that your household was out of order. Oh. You know, and, uh, you know, so it was almost like shot myself in the foot for being vulnerable. Yeah. And, you know, knowing that many in our congregation, I had done that same year two funerals of, uh, of parents who we were praying fervently for their kids. And one, one of the boys uh, did an overdose. And yeah. Killed on a motorcycle accident while he was high. And so, you know, two funerals and then. So we just said, this thing has to get opened up. You know, we have to be vulnerable with one another. Yeah. And when we did, it was, you know, I, I still think it's worth it when I look back because, you know, if people don't like me because of what I've done wrong, then yeah. I don't need to pastor them anyway. <laughs> but if the people who now I could identify with and our struggles together, yeah, pray for one another, not yeah. just be Lord over people and, yeah. you know, command things from a lofty pulpit. Yeah. But, but be with them in, in life's struggles because we all struggle. Yeah. And I certainly understand there are there are certain disqualifications for ministry. Sure. You know, if my kids were young, uh, 10 and 12 and 14 and in my household and yeah. uh, being out of order, then I might have taken a break from ministry. Or, mm-hmm. uh, so I understand the disqualifications for ministry, but my take on it, uh, as well as some other well-known Christian ministers say, you know, once they're out of your household, it's yeah, yeah. anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, vulnerability is a tough, tough call sometimes. Well, I can imagine going back to 1958 when your dad went <laughs> went to the city, which in itself was a was a brave act, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, he didn't know anything about addiction. No. Right. Right. Um, and it was shortly thereafter that he started Teen Challenge. Mm-hmm. And somehow managed. Uh, I, I'm unclear on how it all came about, but right. the first kind of residential long-term comes. You're going to stay here. We're going to yeah. work together, right? Yeah. Um, and one center became two, and two became three. And yeah. how many are there now? There's uh, fifteen hundred wow. in the United States, I think, and then like four thousand around the world. Wow. Uh, I think from what they've told me, uh, at any given time, there's well over 20,000 people in a, in a residential recovery system somewhere around the world that are getting help. And a large number of them uh, thrive afterwards. They, they sure. have some really good statistical rates of yeah. uh, success rates. Uh, it's a year-long program, mm-hmm. uh, so not a whole lot of people want to do that. Yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, it, 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 it took off. It really touched a lot of lives. And it's not a money-making uh, proposition. People, you don't pay to go in. Right. 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 It, I don't. I don't know that I've ever said this on the podcast, but my first sponsor in sex addiction recovery 
uh, was a former street kid hmm. who uh, had had gotten sober from uh, from had gotten clean from drugs in Teen Challenge. No, that's nice to hear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that hadn't been enough to keep him. He became a massive business success out in California, hmm. and then. Uh, in the movie business. And uh, along with that came all the temptations and he found himself, you know, mm-hmm. now a, a second recovery. Okay. Wow. But he never would have been there to help me had it not been hmm. for teen challenge. Wow. Yeah. yeah I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but you were right. You said earlier, he didn't really know much about it, the addiction, right? Uh, what causes addiction, how to get off of addiction. It was, it was pretty much a, a desperate man, Kind of asking those who are in crisis, yeah, you know, come to Jesus to get some help, yeah. And uh, you know, it, it's it certainly has. Um, I want to, and it's not more complex now, but it, there's a, a greater breadth of understanding mm-hmm. in the in that movement, yeah, uh, of addictions and of counseling of needs of healing of uh, hurts. You know, at first it was when, when it first started, it was sort of like get Jesus, get over it, grow up, quit whining about your past. Yeah. Read your Bible every day, pray. No, you're not, are you still tempted to pray more? You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I think that's where they started seeing some um, residual effects of going back into drugs. Yeah. And so they, they sort of wise, got, got a little wiser and saw scripture in its fuller, fuller context of yeah. uh, healing and sure. uh, some, some of the things that God has to work in our life, sanctification process. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's really hitting on all cylinders right now, I believe. I, I want to talk about World Challenge, but before we get there, I want to mention Times Square Church because this just struck me the other day. Now, your dad started a church in Times Square, New York. Yeah. Uh, uh, about when? Do you remember? I think it was 89. Yeah. Uh, 89. Was, uh, uh, went back to New York. He left New York City. Uh, moved to Texas, started traveling around the world, doing yeah. conferences and preaching, yeah. uh, and then felt a call to go back to New York City. And he, he and I were we were actually walking down 42nd Street at the time, late 80s to 42nd Street was. Now it's Disney, but then it was all it was just total pornography, prostitutes out of the street, absolutely, a policemen standing on every like every 10 yards of policemen. Yep. Uh, but right next to me, somebody saying like, "Hey, I got some heroin, got yeah, some yeah, crack. Yeah. Uh, you know, hey, come in to the store," um, and. Um, one guy, I think it was the night before, uh, this basketball player named Len Bias had, mm-hmm. I think he was number one draft pick. Right, right, day, right. Had, uh, got, uh, had overdosed right. on, I think it was crack, um, from, uh, some, some crystal meth, something. He overdosed. Anyway, the guy was selling, uh, I got the stuff that killed Len Bias. That wow. was his sales pitch. Wow. And my dad told me, he said, that's it. I'm coming back to New York City because it's worse now than it was in the, when I first came here in the gangs and the drugs were taken over, yeah, yeah. Uh, heroin started hitting the streets of New York in the late fifties, early sixties. Yeah. And now it was just out of control. Government couldn't help. The social welfare wasn't helping. There was police weren't stopping it. Yeah. Uh, it needed a, it needed a spiritual awakening and, and it happened. I think part yeah. of, one of the first things the Times Square church did was an intensive prayer campaign, uh, mm-hmm. like day and night for 42nd street. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't think all the credit goes to Times Square Church, but certainly there's some prayer power that changed that. You know, it's that's one of the the transformation blocks. is unbelievable. So I remember 42nd Street yeah. in the 80s yeah. because I was in school at Princeton. I got my first look at hardcore pornography in Times Square in, Times Square, in wow. one of those stores. Yeah, uh, and it just I don't know. It just gives me shivers to think that your your dad, you know, walked into that. 
and said, the gospel needs to be here. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. He, he ran toward the roar, as they That's, say, yeah, right? Yeah. Right? That was his whole ministry. Um, yeah. Give me something to prove that God does the impossible. Yeah. And it wasn't the thing either. It wasn't drugs or Times Square Church or yeah. uh, the books that he wrote or the missions that he did overseas with poverty and yeah. children. Yeah. It was like, okay, I'm going to feed children to prove that God is faithful. I'm going to take care of prostitutes off the street and help them get healed to show what God can do when the world says, you know, they're lost. It's hopeless. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Was, you know, that was from the, the old uh, George Mueller uh, who started an orphanage in England in the 1800s. You know, he said, I love these children and I'm here for them, but really it's to show the world how much God cares and how much he loves. Running yeah. to the world, running yeah. to the world. That's a, yeah, yeah. I, I love that. I think that's, yeah. And there's a lot of opportunity in our culture today, I think, for that, you know. Yes. Running to the roar of the the, the racial uh, quagmire that we find ourselves in now. That's that's a roar today. It is, uh, yes. Political divide, that's a roar today. The, uh, the, the uh, accelerating uh, sexual immorality is a roar. The, the, uh, the situation with uh, uh, the drugs going back into, uh, you know, I think with the pandemic now, yes. we're seeing uh, drugs and overdoses and suicide and depression. Yeah. The church has a plethora of opportunities today to show the love and power of God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. yeah um, so tell me about world vision uh, uh, how did it start what was the what was your dad's vision what motivated him to do it and you know how has it grown over the course okay. of 50 years yeah it um, it started off uh, as teen challenge the drug program but then it started morphing into like okay we're doing orphan care we're helping widows we're doing feeding programs we're preaching we're writing books we're, yeah we're doing youth crusades for this was around the yeah, I'm sure you remember this as well. You were pastor at the time, probably the Jesus movement. Oh, sure, yeah. And so that that was part of his ministry at the time. So uh, rather than being limited by the the idea of it being a drug program, yeah, World Challenge opened up its wings a little bit, spread out, into yeah, being a little, a little bit more a broader based ministry. So that was in the '70s and. Uh, so as my dad traveled and spoke places, people started giving him offerings like, hey, Brother Dave, we want to help your ministry. Yeah. And so he didn't know what to do with it. He didn't want to take it as a salary. Yeah. He had his board of directors gave him a certain salary. And he, anything above that, then he would just give to missions. So uh, that's so he said, okay, let's start an organization that can start giving to missions. Yeah. And uh, so around that time, uh, my first job was uh, I was the janitor at the World Challenge office in Texas. <laughs> and then they moved me up. I, I progressed into the mailroom. Okay. I started uh, putting boxes of books together, mailing them out around the country. Yeah. Uh, and then I got sent on a missions trip and came back home. And they said, well, why don't you do that more often? And yeah. I got involved. Uh, then I became the director of the missions program. Mm-hmm. and gave a little bit more clarity. At the time, it was more like a... Uh, a grant writing thing. Somebody would say, Hey, we're starting this orphanage. Can you help us? And yes. run my track. And yeah, yeah, there yeah. you go. Hope it goes well. Yeah. And so I started visiting some of these sites, uh, just a little quick sidebar. Like I went down to Haiti and we were looking at a orphanage that we had supported for years and found out that the, the, the people who started the orphanage had died. There was no more orphanage, but their children were still cashing the checks. So I was like, okay, look, we can stop that. So it was that kind of thing. Okay, we yeah. need to give some, some real strength in this missions program. And that's where it became, uh, what I call poverty solutions, where instead of putting a band-aid on poverty, we're actually trying to develop some ways to bring solutions to the local p- poverty in communities. And yeah, that's where our missions program is 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 mostly emphasizing. But it's still a, the message ministry still goes on. We have books, literature, newsletter, podcast. 
yeah. um, video sermons, uh, connection uh-huh. with other churches and ministries. You mentioned Times Square Church earlier. We have a strong connection with them still. Yeah. And uh, their pastors do stuff for us and conferences us with them. I see. And okay. other churches like that around, yeah. around the yeah. world. Yeah. So about how many countries does World Challenge, is World uh, Challenge active in right now? We probably like, uh, you know, in an in-depth way, probably 40. Yeah. And then later touches another 30, so about 70 countries. Wow. Where we have either, and then the Teen Challenge again is in, I think, 120 countries or something like that. So, and then I'm on the board of, it's called Global Teen Challenge. And so uh, as I'm president of the board there. Oh, wow. And uh, so that gives me an opportunity to keep my hands and yeah and our world challenge help support those works as well during yeah. covid here we a lot of those works you know say for instance in democratic republic of congo there's a teen challenge program there and they they don't you know they they have a garden and mm-hmm. uh, you know how are they gonna get any money to care for the sick and yeah. so we were able to help sponsor some of those programs uh get medicines and food and yeah. you know when the they were almost ready to shut down so that was nice to be able to have some God's blessed us with some really sweet resources to be able to help uh, various works around the world. Yeah, you know, when I think about all your father accomplished in a relatively short amount of time, uh, a huge number of people, and the way he, uh, he, it seems to me, first of all, I never met the man, but it doesn't, it doesn't sound to me as though he was a micromanager. No, not at all. No. Okay. It does sound to me as though he was an encourager. He had a gift of encouragement. He 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 wanted to bring hope wherever he went, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and that describes uh, that describes you to me a lot. Oh, okay, yeah. As an encourager, I'm probably more of an encourager than my dad was. I, mean, uh-huh. I don't want to discredit him from being an encourager, but he yes. was a little more like um, like a general Patton. Like, oh, really? Here's your here's your tank. There's the enemy. Go get him. Like, <laughs> how do I do that? I don't know. That's your job. Oh, really? Like, you, you get this done. You yeah. Know, visionary leader, uh-huh. uh, commander. Really? In chief. Uh, yeah. A dele- then delegating it. And uh-huh. you'd come back to him and say like, Hey, we're, we're morphing this into that. He'd go, I don't care. It's, I give that to you. You know? So yeah, as long as God's in it and you're bearing fruit, then it's, that's, and he'd be on to the next project then. So sure. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm like what you said, a little more encouragement, more, a little more people. Yeah. Uh, centered. I wrote a book about my dad um, mm-hmm. called the cross and switchblade and the man who believes. Yeah. And I, I wrote it like, you know, incredibly, I believe honoring. It's like, I wrote a lot about his giftedness, his calling, his yeah. vision, his passion, yeah. his love for Jesus was immense. I mean, I'm growing towards that place where I can say, oh, good, I'm getting close to where my dad was in that uh-huh. radical zeal for, zeal for Jesus. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, but I also wrote it like uh, he had, he uh, had a lot of struggle with, uh, do I, does God love me? Am I yeah. doing enough? Yeah. Uh, he he struggled with, uh, um, you know, probably in the book I mentioned two or three different things. That were, yeah. Uh, but the main one was that sense of, you know, am I worthy? Am I yeah. doing enough for God? Yeah. It comes out of those things we're talking about from our own background is, uh, and, and I think that your whole ministry was born and, and my whole ministry yeah. went through the same thing is my, my early days of, of uh, addiction to pornography was born out of, I'm so trying, trying so hard to be somebody and please somebody yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and get God to like me and my dad to approve of me. Yes. Uh, and then when it wasn't working quite as well as I wanted it to, I got so frustrated with myself and yeah. so defeated that I needed something to make me feel good. Yeah. And when I first saw pornography, when I was 
14, it was like, this is so bad, but it feels so good. <laughs> and they told me all along, like, as soon as I open up this Playboy magazine, I'm going to get boils and, yeah, yeah. and uh, herpes. <laughs> I didn't know what herpes was, but I'm sure I'm going to get it. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, then I thought, oh, Jesus said, if I look at this, I committed adultery. So yeah, uh, and adulterers go to hell. So I'm, yeah. so, you know, so, but I remember it feeling so good and yet it being so wrong, but it, it became a place to go back to. It's like, I, you know, just ministry is not fulfilling. Yeah. If you're in the ministry for the wrong reason, you're in it or a business, anything. Yes. If you're in it, like I got to prove something, I got to become somebody. You'll never live up to your own self standard and you will yeah. need uh, drugs, alcohol, pornography, lust, yeah. sexual immorality, uh, affairs. Yeah. You're going to need all that to, to do that. And, and then there's that cycle of shame. You know that more than I do. Yeah. 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 You get in, you know, cause you're helping guys get out of this. Sure. So then you fail. Oh, I looked at pornography and I feel terrible. Uh, let me pray more and read my Bible more. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now you're reading your Bible to make up for looking at pornography. Like <laughs> is God in heaven saying like, Oh, I'm glad you're reading your Bible for that reason. Yeah. For the reason of like, uh, Making up, the, the <laughs> swinging the, the balance of judgment, the scales of judgment. Uh, you put the weight in your prayers and your Bible studies long enough to yeah. work. Oh, good. That's been three days now of intense prayer and Bible study. You're almost equal now to, to being uh, right with God again. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then you go back to, like, okay, well, I'm still failing. So, I, you know, it's just yeah. a, it's a vicious cycle. It really and, is. And, and it's, when a guy says it's hard to get out of, of a sexual addiction or drug addiction or alcohol addiction, I, you know, I, I don't. Uh, I never had a drug addiction or alcohol addiction, but I I did have that pornography addiction. Yeah, yeah. And it's and they say it's you know that's brain chemical wise it's it's as strong as a drug addiction. Sure, absolutely. It's not stronger. Absolutely. And so yeah, yeah. I yeah. hit hard by this thing, man. It almost yeah, it almost knocked me out of the ministry. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. How many times I felt like I should quit ministry because of the shame and the yeah. guilt. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, and so yeah, so I guess if my kids write a book about me, they probably won't. But if they did, they. <laughs> Probably have to mention a chapter on my pornography uh, issues. Uh, you know, so, um. Yeah, I, I've wrestled. You know, my dad's been dead now 10 years. And I went through phases. I went from idolizing him mm-hmm. to uh, working my butt off trying to win his approval, never getting quite enough of it. Yeah. Um, then getting bitter and angry, then blaming him for my addiction. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I may have said on the show before that you know, one of my greatest regrets, I, I, early in recovery, I wrote a very, very angry accusatory letter to my dad, mm. listing all the ways he'd failed me and oh, failed wow. us. Yeah. Um, I don't regret writing the letter. I regret sending them. Mm, that's a good, that's a, you know what I mean? That's a good difference. Yeah, there's a big difference there. Yeah. One's healthy and the other is yeah. maybe not so much. Huh? No, no, no. You no, would no, advise no. that now? Just, you would advise to write a letter like that, but not to send it. Yes. 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 Yeah. 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 I would too. I'd, I would agree with you. Yeah. That, that it's, it's good to get it off your chest and yeah. know what it is that was working and yeah. what really, what part of it really deserved blame on them. And yeah. Yeah. What part of it was not their fault. They didn't, I always go back to, you know, like, okay, again, because I had these kids who were on drugs. Yeah. Is it my fault? Or, yeah. You know, is it my dad's fault that I did what I did? Yeah, yeah. And I keep going back and, you know, this is not new to me, not original with me, but, uh, you know, God, the perfect father, didn't quite have the best 
kids in the world either. You know, so he, was, he was probably scratching his head. No, he wasn't. But, uh, you know, how do they? How do they have such a perfect father who walks with them in the garden? Yeah, and they still uh, mess things up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's it's not all on parents. There, we all certainly are things that we're responsible for as parents that yeah, uh, and we need to take ownership of and yeah. But not to be one other quick thing about parenting too. Um, really helped me recently uh, was because I, I think I kept apologizing to my son. Mm-hmm. Like, Man, I failed you so much. Yeah, I'm yeah, so yeah. busy in the ministry trying to make something of myself. Yeah. That I neglected you. You had to find your own way, and the, yeah. you, know, you got into some kids that took you the wrong, down the wrong uh, streets. And I kept on. And he said, "Dad, you, you ever read Genesis? I think it's forty. He said, um, I don't. Where Joseph said to his brothers, "Don't be angry with yourself. Oh. What, what you intended for evil, God intended for good." Yeah. And he said, "Dad, don't be angry with yourself." Yeah. He said, "You keep asking me to forgive you, but I'm not angry with you. You're angry at yourself. Oh. You have to let that go." And wow. I, I, I started crying. I said, "Man, I'm, you know, I was holding on to tons of anger for myself." Yeah. And uh, you know, just to be able to let it go, and then to realize, okay. Uh, don't be angry with yourself. But then God was in on it. It was like, you know, the, the sovereignty of God, like somehow he knew to put my sons yes. under me, even though he knew my faults and my failures, Yeah, knowing that that was going to have an outcome for good in their life. Yeah. You know, and so even like you do with your dad, you know, it's like there was something. Yeah. God knew that your dad was the best dad you could possibly have. Right. For what he needed you to be. Yes. What you're doing even here today with me. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is a part of that, you know, so that's. The redemptive power of God is oh, miraculous. It's, yeah. it's, it's unfathomable how God could orchestrate all the events to make these things come yeah. about for yeah. our good. Yeah. yeah. So you've been on a journey with your kids, but you've had kids in treatment. Mm-hmm. You've done uh, some family work around that. We have, yeah. You allowed other people to kind of look in on the family and observe and give insight. Mm-hmm. Uh has that been painful at times? Uh, a good painful. Yeah. A good pain. For me, like uh, when I discover something that's off, Yeah, I don't go like, oh, well, you know what? It's, I, I kind of go like, <laughs> thank you, Lord, for revealing yeah. that to me. It's like I needed to like I needed to hear, like what my son said, man, why are you yeah. hurt yourself? Yeah. Like, I rejoice over that. So when a counselor points something out or in a small group or, you know, my closest friends, uh, we, we I share a friendship with Matt Ward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's real honest with me, man. He'll tell me, he'll tell me exactly what's going on. You know? and, uh, <laughs> I, 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 not much of a filter on Matt. If he sees it, he's going to say it. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 But that, that that lack of filter is probably what it's wonderful more than yeah. than all the filtered uh, religion that we can get from. And so, yeah, so to have people like that in, in our life and, uh, you know, that was another thing. A, a good friend of mine, I was – we were sharing at a conference speaking together yeah. and he told all the pastors, there was probably four or 500 pastors at the time. And I had spoken and then he got to speak and he said, uh, raise up your hand and everybody raised their one hand up. He goes, okay, now on, on your five fingers on your hand here, as fast as you can name your five closest friends. Wow. And I went like, oh, that's easy to do five. Just, yeah. And then he said, it can't be your wife and kids. Uh oh. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'll choose him because he's speaking. That's one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a friend back in Colorado Springs. That's two. I have two. Yeah. And I realized something's wrong. Yeah. uh, That I don't have. I don't have. I don't have a community. Yes. Uh, You know, uh, we pastors sometimes can be very isolated. Yeah. And not just pastors. uh, Yeah. uh, People that are professional that want to make some other life can tend to 
you know, just be so driven that they'd drive people away. Yeah. And so I, um, so I worked on that. I really worked on that and got close. I got, to, I went to counseling to find out why I wasn't mm-hmm. close to people. Like, yeah. You know, and again, that same issue. Uh, sure. Too busy. Yeah. Making success, success of myself. Yeah. To care, to stop and have a conversation with people, unless I had something to do with the business that I was wanting to accelerate. Right. And, right. Uh, right. So right. I'm using people to do that. So finding out about that was so uh, uh, such such a joy and a delight. So it's a long answer to your question, but it's basically I, I find it painful and it does uh, provoke tears yeah. and godly sorrow. The Bible calls it, but mm-hmm. you know the Bible also says those things work for our good. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's the stuff. It's the fodder. It's the starting place. It's the kin- kindling and the spark that ignites in us the flame that we really want in our life. Anyway, we yeah. don't want the flame of sexual immorality. We don't really want a flame of. Uh, professional business success yeah. um, that, that is at the cost of our family and, yeah. our, and our own health, yeah. spiritual, spiritual well-being. We want we want that real fire of God in our life. And that, yeah. that comes from truth and honesty and confession and being honest with yourself and letting other people be honest with you, not being offended yeah. uh, when people, you know, we were talking about our dads a lot. One of the things my dad told me he struggled with, and I saw it in him, if somebody, uh, sort of spoke up something about him that he was doing wrong, uh-huh. he would get so angry. He'd yeah, yeah. off the handle like, I'm a man, you know, remember, uh, did you ever hear touch not the Lord's anointed? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was, that was what we would hear. Touch not the Lord's anointed. Yeah. yeah How yeah. dare you bring up that accusations against me? Uh, probably uh, like one, one of his employees one time said years later after my dad learned yeah. the, the power of letting people speak into your life. Yeah. He asked his, one of his coworkers, why didn't you say things earlier? He said, I didn't want to be scraped off the ceiling. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't, you know, you blow me up. And, uh, you know, and so that's, you know, I, I learned early. I could, okay. You know, sometimes we learn from our fathers what we don't want to be like. Yes. And that was one of the, I learned a lot about what I want to be like. It's still, I want to be like him. Yeah. But I also learned what I don't want to be. And that was to be, uh, to be a distant from people yeah. and to be cold and, or full of anger because you're using people just to get what you want out of life. And, yeah. Um, we're coming to the end of our conversation, but I want to ask you about your ministry to pastors. You're very much a pastor to pastors. It seems to me you're an encourager of pastors. Yeah. Uh, you have a passion for pastor conferences and mm-hmm. getting guys together and uh, oh, men and women together. Yeah. Um, We have an awful lot of pastors in the Samson Society, especially in the virtual meetings. I'm so glad. That's good news. Uh, because for a lot of guys, that's the that's the only safe way they can mm. they can you know bring their real selves to the table and yeah. find those friends. And okay, um, I, I'm wondering. You see a lot of pastors, and you see them, and you have a global perspective that not many of us have because you mm. see them all around the world. Yeah. Would uh, I wonder if you can kind of pick out the the, the, the biggest uh, couple of themes for pastors when it comes to uh, ministry and where they need encouragement? Yeah. The first I'd say is um, a story of a young pastor I met in Poland. And I had dinner with him, and I had been talking about some issues of the flesh, the the carnal nature of pastor struggle. Yeah, yeah. And I said, "Do you have?" And I, I mentioned a couple issues. Do, do, here in Poland, you have this, this, and that. Yeah, yeah. And he just laughed. He goes, he says, uh, brother, I thought you would know this by now. The flesh is the flesh. <laughs> you know, there's no Polish flesh and American flesh and African <laughs> flesh. It's the sin nature is across yeah. the board. And so I thought that was interesting. That, and I found that to be true. There's not a whole lot of difference mm-hmm. 
in you know what pastors are struggling with in Sri Lanka or Cambodia as there is there there are political differences there are yeah. economic differences but when it comes down to it Satan is attacking pastors and leaders yeah the same way everywhere and uh, you know there's very few countries that don't have access to pornography yes. very few places where Satan is not attacking the family yes um, so for me it's been because I tell the story now of of my children who are addicted um, I will. When I'm telling that story, it's a, it's a particular, and I'll do it like four or five sessions at a two-day pastor conference. Uh-huh. One of them will be on the family, uh-huh. and I'll talk about my children yeah. and what I went through in the pain and the failure that I felt. And then I'll say, how many of you have children that are uh, in, in addiction or yeah. um, prodigal children? Yeah. And pro- I, I, this is not exaggerated, 80%. Really? Everywhere I go, 80, yeah. 80% of the pastors are saying, oh, yeah, my, I have a kid that's yeah, he's a drunk. He's an alcoholic. He's, he's yeah. He's into into witchcraft. You know, just really bad, rough, rough stuff. Yeah. And so there's a great need for he, uh, healing of, of pastors for because uh, a lot of pastors' kids, as we know, some of them become pastors and a yeah. lot of them become you know, all out heathens. <laughs> yeah. And so they're, right. these pastors are really struggling. And that's the one thing that touches closest to home is, is you know when your own children are. Yeah. struggling and failing. Yeah. You know, you, you, when you're younger, you're worried about your own f- failures and yeah. foibles. And when you're older, you're worried about your children repeating yeah. those same mistakes. Yeah. And so these pastors are troubled o- over that. And of course, you know, it's, it's, I don't like if we were touched on the issue of sexual sin or pornography, I probably wouldn't have them like, like I would do with family struggles, mm-hmm. you know, stand up or yeah. raise your hand if you're, uh, but so I don't really know the number there. Yeah. But it's afterwards uh, because I will also talk about. <laughs> I just was thinking about this. A lot of my, a lot of my sermons are like how I failed. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, and so because I'll talk about the pornography struggle as well. Yeah. And that's where you'll get a lot of people come backstage. Absolutely. Uh, can I have? Do you have, do you have five minutes? Yeah. I, you know, it's like I've never told anybody this, but yeah, yeah. But you know, and so yeah, you know, how scary it is that. Somebody's been in ministry 20 years and, and they can come up to you and say, I've never told anybody this. Yeah. That's why you need the Samson Society. You need yeah. you need these groups, you know, yeah. expanding around the world. Like, yeah. you know, uh, and, and the potential of that, because it doesn't require like Teen Challenge does, a residential center, mm-hmm. 10 staff members, uh, four $500,000 budget a year thing. You know, right, right, right. This is like kind of like AA has, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's a low cost, high value thing that and pastors that are struggling with these issues, family, sense of failure, yeah. uh, uh, alcohol, pornography, drugs. It's like they, they can all get help here. So that's, uh, I really am glad. I mean, you know, every every time I'm interviewed or on a podcast, you know, you, you always say the sort of the stuff you're supposed to say, like, I really love your ministry and you're really yeah, yeah. a lot of people. And, and I always mean it because uh, yeah. it's very rare. But I think there's something unique about and rare about what you're doing that yeah. is um, – it's really worth the, um, you know, like spreading the news, so to speak, yeah. uh, kind of shouting it from the housetop that there's a place that can help you get get uh, honest and out of that. Yeah. You got to at least you have the potential now of, of freedom. You may not get free. You know, we don't know that yet, but yeah. uh, at least you're in a place. You know, you're not going to get rid of your cancer unless you're at the doctor's office. Yeah. And so you're not going to get rid of these things on your own. And that's that's one of the things the Lord taught me too is just the um, – just the pride and the arrogance when we're suffering from addictions 
of thinking I can do it myself. Yeah. Or God wants me to do it myself. Yeah. I just need the power of God. I need yeah. the breakthrough of God. I need yeah. to yeah. be a man of God, like you know, yeah. fathers and forefathers were. And God said, No, you're not getting through this alone. Yeah. You're not until you open up with others are yes. you going to get healed. Yeah. And a uh, man, our pride hates that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so many people are unhealed and unhealthy. Yeah. Not because of their addiction, because of their pride. Yeah. Not wanting yeah. to go to somebody and say, I, I need some help. Yeah. With this yeah. situation. And when I did that, counseling, um, small groups, yeah, you know, and having those five friends. Yeah. That that's been a world of difference for me. Wow. Well, this has been a delight. Thank you uh, so much. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for World Challenges encouragement of Samson House. Mm. Um, and we're going to wrap this up, and then I guess we're going to flip the tables, and I'm going to yeah. you're going to interview me. Uh, That's right. I'm going to get around too on the Gary Wilkerson podcast. <laughs> I know. Like I said, it was so fruitful the first time. That <laughs> uh, uh, really touched a lot of lives. We got a lot of feedback. Uh, oh, good. You know, people people saying need, needed to hear that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So thanks again for letting me take some time with your guys and uh, men and women that uh, part of part of uh, what God's called you to. And uh, what's the best way for guys to uh, connect with World Challenge? Um, probably our, our website, uh, yeah. the WorldChallenge.org. Okay. It's simple. We have resources on there. We have a bookstore. Yeah. Um, and there's there's some good stuff, good resources on there. Um, probably listening to this, there might be some parents there that saying like. Um, how do I get help for my son? Yeah. My daughter, uh, she's uh, that. And that would be, uh, 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 I would recommend Global Teen Challenge. Okay. Or Teen Challenge USA. Okay. Both of these are like, you can Google, Google them both. Okay. And um, there's most likely there's a, a center near you. Some centers now are doing something I think that's really smart. They're going to a short-term 30-day entry program instead okay. of having to commit a year. Yeah. Uh, like when my son, he wouldn't go to Teen Challenge because he didn't want to, spend a year in rehab. Right. Uh, so he went to a 30 day yeah. program and it really helped him a lot. Yeah. And so that was part of his recovery. And so Teen Challenge is doing that now. So that, uh, so, nice. Yeah, yeah. So, but back to World Challenge, you can, uh, we have a monthly newsletter that is, I, I believe you mentioned the word encouraging yeah, yeah. before. I think it's an encouraging word. Yeah. A challenging word. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, I think our niche is uh, speaking the word of truth with love. Yeah. But not backing down from the truth part of it. It's not uh, sort of a mushy, sloppy, <laughs> I'm writing a book now, and the chapter I'm working on is The Goodness of God, and I'm calling it The Muscular Goodness of God. Yeah. Uh, because God's goodness to me is not sort of like, oh, he's kind of Mr. Rogers sweet. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Puts his sweater on and tells you how nice you are. It's like, it's this muscular, uh, weighty, hefty. Yeah. Like he's going to pound you with his goodness. It's going <laughs> to it's gonna be massive and intensive yeah. and change things all up, but it might disrupt everything at first. Uh, that's that's why he calls it the goodness. Romans calls it the goodness and severity of God. Yeah, he puts those two things together in one yes. in one package, it's, and, and we want them both. We, yeah, and and unfortunately, some camp on one like God mm-hmm. is severe. Yeah, yeah, and don't yeah. worry about his nice and goodness and graciousness. No, yeah. he's so sweet and gracious. Yeah, but you know, it's like hey, he don't don't trifle with this guy. He he's, <laughs> he's the lion and the lamb. Yeah, and so that's yeah. So there's those kind of articles that you can find on our website as well. Awesome. Thanks. All right. Well, thanks, Gary. Listeners, stay with us. We'll be back in a moment on the Pirate Moment Podcast.
And we are back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Well, I am sad that I didn't get to be in Colorado and have that conversation. <laughs> but but having having two teenagers, one who is in his first steps of adult life at 18 and a half and struggling with that, and then one who is 21 and really stepping into that adulting mm-hmm. relationship with a girl like that. There are very few times I will talk about legacy and not cringe because I think uh-huh. legacy is a greatly abused word for how do I control this moment to pretend I know what the next one is supposed to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. But kids feel like the most natural kind of legacy. Yeah. So what yeah. what were you thinking when you were talking about that? Well, I'm thinking about my kids, but also uh, more than looking forward, I found myself looking backward. Looking backward at my dad, from whom, you know, he handed the Christian faith to me as he best understood it. Um, He, in turn, had received it from his dad uh, in a somewhat different form. (laughs) And I don't know, I can only assume that farther back through the generations, from father to father, from uh, father to son or mother to son uh, or uh, neighbor to neighbor, this the faith has come to us, but it always combined with a worldview and with a set of theological assumptions that, uh, you know, when it gets to us, sometimes has to be untangled, a little bit deconstructed uh, in order for us to see it and own it for ourselves. And that can be a very, very challenging uh, process if uh, the man or woman who handed the faith to us was a giant in the faith. It almost feels disloyal to make any change. And I know I have struggled with that myself uh, as, you know, retaining the essentials of the Christian faith, so grateful for what my dad uh, and mother gave me, so grateful for the community I was raised in, and yet knowing that, uh, you know, in my space in history and where I am with my life experience and what I know, um, you know, some modifications have to be made, not not to the essentials of the faith, but to how the faith looks in the present world. It's funny when you talk about your dad and what was handed down, uh, that was the legacy of my dad, is he mm-hmm. was a questioner. He also oh, yeah, didn't yeah. come to faith until his late twenties, early thirties. Yeah, probably early thirties. So, I always knew that though we were in such a conservative brethren church, and we loved it and accepted what was taught, uh, I remember conversations he had in the lobby where he would question certain basic things with other guys, and thinking wow. that doesn't seem like. Lobby talk? Is that allowed? <laughs> and and that he always very deeply affirmed, wow, you went to this Christian school, Aaron. You know so much more than I do. So it was always affirmed in a good thing. Yeah, he never yeah, needed yeah. as a dad to feel like he knew more than me and I just needed yeah. to sit down and shut up. Yeah. And then I remember driving my son to youth group uh, over the years and I always loved picking them up. So I'd find out what did they what they talk about, mm-hmm. both because I was interested and because I was a control freak and needed to fix anything they screwed up. <laughs> uh, 
And I, I remember so many times that Samuel would say, well, he said this. I, I don't know. I, I just, I'm not sure why yet, but I don't quite think I agree with him. Because you've always said, and then you always pause and go, and, and just, I don't always agree with you either. But uh-huh. you've always, yeah. and he would always have to do that caveat. Yeah. And I would think this is the, this is the legacy of our house that seems to get passed down. Yeah. The figuring it out part, not the yeah. we are on this team. We're we're Methodists, we're Presbyterians, we're Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really see how that started in that legacy form with my dad. Wow. So I think we we can create different kinds of legacies other than the ones that were so simple in the past. Yeah. Cuz what yeah. was handed to you is that simple version. We're yeah. on this team. Yeah. And this is how we play against other people. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't have to be that. And I think in our world, it's becoming less and less that it has to be that. Even while we see everything like in politics and everything else pulling towards the which team are you on, make it extreme. Yeah, yeah. But I think within the church, there's a lot less of that than there ever Mm -hmm. was. Because if you were born a Presbyterian, you're dying a Presbyterian. Oh, back in the day, sure, yeah. And back in the day for thousands of years, right? Yeah, right, right, So I think that's a beautiful thing that we're in a position where we get to unpack and untie that and allow that with our children and participate with that. Uh, All it takes is humbling ourselves, which is so easy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, this has been... This has really been for me uh, a, a wonderful experience. I'm so glad I got to make that trip out there and spend some time with Gary and his sweet wife Kelly, uh, and, uh, and some time with Matt and Deanne too while I was there. Nice. Uh, the war- yeah, um, and we've got more conversations coming up in uh, episodes down the road. So until the next episode, I say let's wrap. Oh, before we wrap, please, we'd love to hear your reaction to uh, today's conversation. And you can always send us a note at piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm MC Aaron. (laughs) We just said we were going to wrap, and I thought we were going to be like, hope this episode was good. Hope it was junk. See you later, boys. We're the pirate monks or something like that. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Uh, you know what? That was, un- that For, was unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I thought it showed promise. <laughs> <laughs> and that just shows you shouldn't be rapping either. <laughs> yeah. So until next time, I'm Aaron too. <laughs> and All right. And uh, we are... <laughs> <laughs> For better or for worse, your pals on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Wiki Wiki Arc! The Pirate Monk Podcast is produced by members of the Samson Society. Send your feedback or questions to piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and share the podcast with a friend. For more information, please visit samsonsociety.com.